Well, hello. Hey, how you doing? So I know between the two of us, um, you're the big time video game guy. <laughs> Actually, no, that's that's not true. But I was thinking about video games the other day, as I often do. Did you ever <laughs> did you ever play? I don't know if they're as popular now, but did you ever play any of the like the city or nation builder games where you kind of start in the Stone Age? Like Civilization, I think was one. Yeah, there was Civ. There was um, you had some that were kind of real time strategy, like Age, Age of, of Empires. Empires. Um, those, uh, like I said, I don't know. I don't. I think they're still kind of niche, and they ha- they have their audience. But I thought of an idea for a game where the game starts and the civilization is already thriving and established cutting edge technology everything is <clears throat> is advanced as you can get and your job as the player is to destroy the civilization but you can't use like bombs missiles traditional warfare so you have to destroy it from within <clears throat> what would you do to destroy that civilization <laughs> So what would be like on the panel of tools? What, what are the things you could build? What, is that what we're putting together here? Is the, the, uh, like the toolbox and the spells or the cast, castable, castable options that the player can use? Yeah, I mean, like what's in those building games, you have to like establish, you know, you have to have hospitals every, for, for you know, Right, it's like Every a statistical. Of people, it's an exercise in statistics. Right, water proportions, recreation. You have to balance a lot of stuff, right? Or the people get they start to re- revolt, right? They yeah, they get have an uprising, or they get sick, and, and there's disease and uh, all kinds of different things that can go wrong if you don't strike the balance. And I was never very good at those games, but I kind of enjoyed them. I know there was a pandemic game where you had to try to figure out the ultimate virus that would spread. Fast, but not fast enough to, yeah. I heard about that. So I, I think in the city destroyer game, um, with some of your, some of your spells or tools, you know, that you'd have, you could, you could, uh, you could make sure that crime goes up by maybe defunding police, <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, flooding the streets with drugs. Now, who made this game? Because depending on who makes the game and fiddles with all the algorithmic uh, effects, they might say that defunding the police would actually help the society. <laughs> they might. But, uh, or let's say you, telling you, a certain percentage of the men that they're women, getting, you, getting them to decide that they're women, that might somehow help society to be a kinder, gentler society. It could. I mean, that that's why it, that's you know that's the old sports saying. That's, that's why we're making the that's game. That's why we play the game, right? So you'd have to find out, I guess. So maybe you defund the police by thirty percent, or maybe you make it really hard for police officers to do their job, so people police officers just leave, 
and then your force is uh, diminished by 30, 40, 50% over the course of a year or two. Maybe you cause a lot of social unrest through media. The media could propagandize the population and make them afraid, make them angry, uh, come up with a lot of causes and boogeymen and and just ways to keep the population agitated. While at the same time, you could... So there's like an agitprop section yeah, on the menu. Yeah. Agitprop. How much do you want to spend on agitprop? Yeah. How much do yeah. you want to raise taxes? How many bureaucrats do you want to hire? You could, uh, while at the same time as making everybody angry, you could inflate the currency. You could, uh, you could really hamper the, the supply chain for energy, food, uh, goods and services. Um, maybe you create a bunch of uh, uh, big bad guys, you know, international big bad guys that everyone's supposed to hate and be afraid of. Maybe have two minutes of hate every day. You could take all the leadership, like the... Um You know the the more reasonable, in a lot of cases, masculine or you know the the man's men and the women's women. You know the the leaders that are helping society to uh, get stuff done and uh, be proud of their country and stuff like that. You could replace them with a bunch of people that hate the country and. Uh, aren't really great leaders that say one thing and do another thing. Like that's, that's most of politics for the right, last many right. years. Well, I think it'd be a really popular video game. I'm thinking of though, uh, Raz al Ghul in Batman begins. He, he doesn't fit your, your stereotype because he was going to use a, a water supply bomb or something, right. To spread, uh, his, insanity toxin through the water yeah i think that's right i haven't seen that one for a while yeah he that's that's other thing in the game you could have a way to spread spread disease maybe like a vaccine or say maybe fluoride in the water yeah i mean stuff like that i mean the the idea is to try to the way you would win the game is to to destroy the gotham collapse society without Overt violence. That would be the, at least, uh, like, <clears throat> until maybe the populace would explode into violence, spon- quote unquote, spontaneously, right? Well, if they're driven to mental illness, that's that was the whole point of Batman Begins, is that they would be driven to <clears throat> to mental illness and violence. Another pseudo documentary on this was the movie Kingsman. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson was the bad guy with a lisp. I don't think I've seen that one. That's the, the is that the, like the British spy agency one? Yeah, it's a little irreverent, but uh, do you want me to tell you what the plot goes like? Sure. There's a sequel too, right? Yeah. Or is it a prequel? I it don't It came out after any, at any They rate. were, and then there was another one called The King's Man. These movies were just, I, I didn't. I'm not going to say I liked them. They were interesting, but they weren't great. They were kind of, like I said, irreverent, crass in certain ways um, that they didn't need to be. Like, they could have been good. That's the thing. They could Mm -hmm. have been really good. Well, anyway, in the movie, the first movie, 
this young kid is recruited to be a special agent, a spy, whatever, world saver. And the bad guy is essentially going around recruiting all of the royalty and leadership into his little program, giving them a special implant in their head so that they won't rebel. If they do, he blows their heads up. Mm -hmm. But that also makes them immune from the madness that he's uh, perpetrating on the society by giving them free cell phones. So he's he's running the cell phone network, running the the information network essentially. Right. Like I said, it's a pseudo documentary. It's a very unveiled metaphor on how popular media is driving people to madness. And they test out the mechanism that drives people to insane violence on this little church in the south. And one of the Kingsmen operatives happens to be at the church in the south and they turn the thing on and everybody just goes crazy and they all kill each other inside this uh church it's it's probably one of the most violent things there is in movies that's why i say they didn't have to do this Mm -hmm. but they all go crazy and kill each other right there in the church in uh in an extended scene of Crazy violence. I think the guy's name's Colin Firth. Yeah, he's the main actor in that. I believe. Yeah, he kills everybody and then dies. You know, after he's killed almost everybody in the chapel, and everybody's killing each other. And but he's the most dangerous because he's the trained assassin spy guy. <sighs> but that's. <clears throat> so is there some kind of mechanism that? Uh we have today in, in the real world that would trigger all of us into <laughs> violence? <laughs> well, in Batman Begins, it's in the water. Yeah. No, I think everything's just fine. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, uh, we should just go back to, what is it, Juneteenth or something? No, it's the 20th. Yeah, but today it's, it's observed. It's observed? What is it's, Juneteenth. The 10th? Which 10th? Juneteenth. Which one, though? Yep. Who's on first? <laughs> I I had to do... What's on second? No, he's on second. I had to do a little... I don't know. Very, Third base. Very little homework on the background between Juneteenth, which is June 19th. So it was yesterday. And it's observed today, which is Monday. By the way, welcome back, everybody. Today's Monday, June 20th, 2022. I'm Bobby Flood. That's Jordan Bruno. And we are the Mind Virus podcast, as you know. You clicked on it. You knew what we were when you picked you us up. We were when you picked us up. If you don't know, you, I guess you'll know soon enough. So, welcome back. Um, today's June 20th. Yesterday was June 19th, which was Father's Day in the U.S. And also Juneteenth. And I, I remember hearing about this for the first time maybe a year or two ago. And so this morning I looked it up again. I said, what is, what is the background here? And it's, um, it was a local holiday in Texas, like Galveston, Texas. 
And the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas, to take control of the state in 1865. And I guess ended slavery there in, in Galveston or something along those lines. So it's become now, it's just kind of become a celebration of black culture, I guess. I'm not even quite sure what celebration is, but it's now a federal holiday. Biden declared it a federal holiday, so the banks and stuff are closed. But it's one of those things that's, I don't think like, well, I, nobody celebrated this before kind of the last couple of years, right? Did you ever hear about it? Did you ever hear that term, Juneteenth? Not till the George Floyd debacle. Right. So it doesn't. It just feels like kind of one of those manufactured things. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was a, a day of commemoration in Galveston, which is a small town in southern Texas. But nowadays, you know, if you don't take Juneteenth off, you're a racist and a bigot. <laughs> it's just, it's just again, it's this. It's this, this, uh, this constant barrage of causes and things that everybody's supposed to get behind and stand with. You know, I was driving down the freeway yesterday, and there's still this billboard that says, Stand with Ukraine. And I was like, really? St- we're still doing that? And then it's one of these digital billboards, and it flipped to still have Ukrainian colors, right? Blue and yellow. And it said, Mike Lee voted against aid for Ukraine. Nice. And I'm like, is that a... Is that an... A bad thing is that like <laughs> vote for Mike Lee? <laughs> good, good, good for him. Good for him. But but of course it's not presented that way. And we're in primary season, of course. Here, it, does it seem like the election seasons are just longer and longer and kind of more and more permanent? I was driving down a street <clears throat> on this same car drive, and there was probably a hundred or more. Uh, political campaign signs lining the street, just one after the other after the other, for like a mile. And I I hate those. Did you remember them all? I I remembered that I hate them because it's basically just litter. You've got some really interesting stuff going on. If you're in Utah County, you've got uh, this dude, Levitt, who's our attorney. Which, by the way, sorry to interject, but we brought up him... We brought him up recently. Sorry, not sorry. We brought him up recently, and you wondered if he was related to the former governor of Utah. Right, I did some research on that. He is his brother. Yeah, he's his younger brother, I believe. Former governor of Utah, Mike Lovett, happened to uh, be one of the few three-term governors in Utah. Very well-loved. He comes from an ultra-wealthy family that established the Lovett Group, a massive insurance company. And was one of the trustees at uh, SUU, Cedar City, Southern Utah State University, and ends up becoming... He left his third term early, right? To become a cabinet-level national or federal cabinet-level secretary of health and human services and focused on, wait for it, pandemic preparedness. Mm. Folks, these people are part of it, part of that gaming squad, <laughs> clicking the buttons, right. casting the spells on society well, in, then, in uh, the uh, Raz al Ghul school of societal destruction. Not nearly as cool as Liam Neeson. 
And I think after that, he, Governor Levitt, I think currently he sits on a board, some lucrative, cushy thing. Well, he and others made sure to pass the Count My Vote initiative in Utah, which basically ensures that whoever has the most money has the best chance of winning. Right. And his um, his his successor was um, um, the lieutenant governor at the time, Huntsman, right? John, John Huntsman Jr. the third, something like that. And yeah, because we had Levitt, then Huntsman, then Herbert. And Huntsman also left early to go be a, a diplomat to China, an ambassador to China Very under the Obama administration. Suspicious uh, situation that we go to. Which is in what the interesting thing is. So the a totalitarian last, state. Sorry, my, so, sometimes my sentences come late. So then you had Huntsman who left early, which installed his successor. That gave Gary him a foothold. Herbert, right. So Gary Did, has, is so, that how it worked. Or did he just not run for another term? I I thought that he left early. I thought both of those guys left early. And which is a great way to handpick your successor. What's interesting is that uh because Republicans always win statewide office here in the state. Yeah, what's interesting is when you search him up in DuckDuckGo, it it like wants to put uh former ambassador to China as sort of the tagline rather than governor of Utah. Well, he came back in 2020 to Utah and ran, I think as a spoiler. I think he, he, uh, he almost, I think Greg Hughes probably would have won that primary election, the Republican primary. Looks like we had, we had Olean Walker right in there before Huntsman, by the way. Okay. So you had, I think he did win election. Well, he came back and ran in 2020 in a three-way race, which was very close, very close. Spencer Cox came out on top by about, I don't know, a percentage or two in a three-way race. And now we have, now we have the venerable Spencer Cox just a leader among men. But Utah's right in the thick of all this stuff. Have you heard about these two ladies that are trying to get, trying to, trying to get the uh, election um, data, like the raw data from the yeah. counties? So, but yeah, so Gary Herbert was the lieutenant governor for Huntsman, and uh, Cox was the lieutenant governor for Herbert, and the lieutenant governor's office in the state of Utah presides over the election. Yeah. So it's sort of a conflict of interest, sort of meaning perhaps the biggest conflict of interest since uh, Amalekiah killed Lehanti in Alma chapter 47 of the Book of Mormon, uh, coaxed him down off the mountain, said, let me be your second in command, then poisoned him by degrees, knowing full well that in the Lamanite tradition, what happens was when the first in command dies, it's the second in command that takes mm-hmm. over, which is similar in American politics. When your president kicks the bucket, the vice president takes over, which makes it really interesting that the day that Reagan was shot, the Bush 
George Herbert Walker Bush and his goon squad had ruled out any sort of an inside job within 90 minutes and then was asked about a conspiracy within government by a reporter. And there's video footage of this that I've seen. I don't know if I could even find it on the internet now that things have been scrubbed so thoroughly. But uh, the the outrage in his voice when the reporter asks, is there, is there any possible um, conspiracy or inside job? Oh. I can't believe you would have the the unmitigated gall to pose such a question. It's the most obvious question. When your system is set up that the second in command is the automatic ruler, mm-hmm. the question really ought to be asked, and the question is, in Latin, qui bono, which means who benefits. Mm-hmm. Who benefits when Reagan was shot 69 days into his presidency? Who ran the White House from 1981 to 19, er, 1992 and then turned it over to his friend from Arkansas? We've been through this. Episode right. 8, hidden picture. Well, Go listen to it. It's long, drawn out. It's all right. Sad history. This, this, uh, the sad history of the oligarchy well, ruling George H.W. Bush... Um, has a long history of being part of the, the regime, the conspiracy. When you go back to his CIA days, he was instrumental in establishing the modern CIA, kind of what we know of today. So that's a, that's a fun, fascinating There's a lot history. There's a lot of evidence potentially linking him to the JFK assassination. Photo, right. Photographs, cover-up stuff. Well... Our local people, our local leaders. Are, they would never do that. I hate using that term, leaders, because they're not leaders. Local managers? They're uh, leeches. Our local leeches our are, local are, are, are all in on us. So we, we kind of derailed, but you mentioned that there's some interesting stuff going on in Utah County, and you brought up David Levitt, and I interrupted you. Well, yeah, the, the thing is, look, guys, look, everybody that's caught in the matrix, so to speak, all the people who, there, I think there comes a point in every person's life, and maybe it's a repeated point, where they're presented with the blue pill or the red pill, right, together. It's like, hey, here's your chance. You can either believe this or not. And it has to do with belief. You get to, That's the, the interesting thing in this world, is you get to believe what you want to believe, right? I mean, there is ample propaganda. There's ample information for all kinds of viewpoints and, and ideas. And there's definitely sort of a, a mainstream cause of the day, cause celebra Juneteenth, if you want to call it that, sort of a narrative that gets pushed by the, the old media. We'll use Catherine Austin Fitz mm-hmm. terminology, the old corporate legacy mainstream media. They're pushing a narrative, but they happen to be in the minority at this point, I believe. You know, uh, there's a lot of networks that make up that old media, so they have they have a lot of sway. But I think they're they're rapidly falling into a m- minority position. A lot of people are looking at um, these independent investigative journalists, the ones that are getting they're they're basically risking their lives because uh, they could end up like Julian Assange if they touch the wrong electric electric fence. By the way, there's a guy that we should not forget. That's that's right. a guy that deserves a national holiday, and he will be incarcerated forever in an American prison because the Brits have now decided to turn him over to the United States 
his life apparently has been completely wrecked. He's been psychologically destroyed. He's been isolated for seven years in the Ecuadorian embassy and then now in solitary confinement for the last several in Europe. That is a sad story. I mean, I, I only bring up Julian Assange because he deserves our prayers and our uh, support for exposing the evils of the Iraq war. The stuff that he exposed showed how there were literally our servicemen in some cases were calling the poor Iraqi men and women collateral damage children. They're calling them bug splat as they shot up towns from miles away in helicopters. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was one of the most egregious things that was exposed through that leak that came through a guy named Chelsea Manning, I believe was his name. Do you remember? At, at the time, it was Bradley Manning. Bradley Manning? He's, he transitioned. Now Thank he's, you. Now he's, it was a man. Now he's Chelsea Manning, but it, it was Bradley Manning at that time. But he transitioned in prison or something for better, for some odd reason. Right. Some weird. And he's now Chelsea Manning, but it was, he was a soldier, and he leaked a lot of this documentation. To a, a legitimate investigative news source, like uh, uh, most... Like the outlet that uh, broke the the Watergate scandal would hope to be. Who was it that broke the Watergate scandal? That would have been the Washington Post, right? Was it? Bernstein and uh, whatever the guy's the name Bernstein was. The Bernstein Bears? The <laughs> Berenstein Bears? It was Bernstein and Woodward. Woodward and Bernstein, that's right. Who are but now just uh, WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks, regime stooges. Right, WikiLeaks has been destroyed. WikiLeaks was one of the best places where you could get who was publishing truth. You know, I guess he published a bunch of stuff about Hillary Clinton, and that might have been the nail in his coffin there. Yeah, a lot of stuff there. The Democrat um, servers, and, the way and, they're run. And as far as I know, they didn't really editorialize a lot. They just made raw documents available. Right. And what a, make what a of, crime! Make, make make of it what you were, what you will, right? Well, they would say, "Here's what we're publishing, and here's what it shows." Yeah, sure. Which is pretty pretty objective journalism, right? Like, hey, by the way, we got this, and this is what it looks like. You you can make your, the rest of the inferences. This is really bad. Well, anyway, um, the reason we're bringing all of this up is just ancillary to that discussion about um our new video game our new video game <laughs> yeah the discussion about the uh uh election here in utah right yeah yeah there's an election this year and uh, you know local utahns you need to understand that our elections here are as compromised and fiddled with as anywhere else we uh we there's some interesting things. U Utah's in it. The the way Utah is used is interesting to me because because we we seem to be a guinea pig for certain things. We were one of the first states to have mail in ballots. Like mine, I got one sitting right upstairs, right, <clears throat> mailed to me, and then I can mail it back, and who knows where it goes after that. But we were one of the first states to have the. Mail-in voting. We're one of the first states to have the electronic machines. Remember those? Yeah. Um, 
I think we mentioned on the podcast before the county commissioner of Emory County in 2006 that Mm -hmm. found all the flaws, didn't we, Bruce Funk? Yeah, we've talked about that a little. I personally met the man, very nice grandfatherly fellow. He was run out of the county, a small county, one of the smallest counties as far as population, Emory County, because he insinuated by starting to test, (laughs) by testing the Diebold machines, insinuated they were riddled with intentional flaws. And uh, the lieutenant governor's office had, within 24 hours or something, Diebold representatives in the county and had a resignation letter written and on his desk. uh, This is an elected official, the county recorder of Mm -hmm. Emory County. He's in charge of the elections. Right. Within like two days, they had him out because he had insinuated that the the voting machines were not up to snuff, so to speak. Well, these two ladies have been trying to get raw election data through what the local version of the FOIA. The it's called Grama. Yeah, it's called Grama. Here in or Grammar or something. And A Grammar request. They, uh, they have an interesting story, and we can link to some of their stuff. I don't remember their names right now, but... but Remember we said the lieutenant governor in Utah is in charge of elections. Well, that meant in 2020, candidate Spencer Cox was in charge of his own election, which is a massive, just on the surface, a massive conflict of interest. A guy running for the office should not also be overseeing the elections. That's just basic, like, ethics 101. But it's doesn't ever seem to be a problem in Utah. After all, our, uh, it'd be interesting to look at our... our uh, when was the last time a lieutenant governor was not the next governor in Utah? Well, when they... Meaning when, when they ran for governor, when were they not the next governor? Right, right. I mean, it, we've had a long line of the lieutenant governor becoming the next governor. And the current lieutenant governor is Deidre Hendrickson. Hendrickson. And she seems like a really nasty person. Um, Or at least she can be. And she immediately uh, sent the hounds after these two ladies trying to find answers. The ladies' names are Jennifer Orton and Sophie Anderson. I'll link to a Gateway Pundit article here. They started a website, tworedpills.org. Interestingly, this red pill thing keeps coming up. Right. They filed these grammar requests, and when uh, they came to light, within about a day, the lieutenant governor had basically instructed all the counties in Utah to deny their requests. Right. Keep in mind, these are public records, and there's a time limit on them before they can be destroyed. Right, it's like four years before they must be destroyed. Like I think it's longer than that, but and so these ladies were trying to get these records, and the lieutenant governor successfully uh, cut them off, blocked them in like all of three counties, and made sure that that time frame in all but three counties, excuse me, right, made sure that 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 time frame came and went, and those records could be destroyed. No, and I don't then, think that I don't think the she, records have been destroyed yet. I think that I don't think so either, or maybe they, I think some of them they, might have. I don't think the t- I think the time frame is longer than that. It's something like uh, maybe it's a twenty months or something like that. 
But then, but then the, the lieutenant governor proceeded to scold anybody who would question the elections, and and then she, said that we don't need or have a right or 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 have the brains to understand all the raw data anyway, and so we we the the dirty masses aren't you know it's not 20, our place. Twenty two month retention window. She sicked uh, a liberal activist journalist named Brian Scott or Shot or something. S-C-H-O-T-T from the Salt Lake Tribune on these people. She literally did that. There's text messages proving that she sicked them, like yes. sicked him, like literally sent him off to harass them. The ladies report that they had strange people outside their homes. People posing to be, to be like, yeah, pest, pest control, control people. types who were maybe bugging their home, observing, intimidating. Yeah. The, the swamp is thick here in good old... Good old red Utah, Happy Valley, where everybody's yeah. honest, right? Everybody's honest and, and, and straightforward and carries a little card that gets them into a certain building. Nothing could happen here. Well, it is happening. It is happening. It's happening right under our noses. And if it's you been happening to, for a long time. If you choose to see it, you can't unsee it. So... As I mentioned, we were early adopters of the electronic voting machines, the mail-in voting. We're on the docket as one of the first uh, states to adopt and beta test digital ID. That's out there. It's coming. Yeah, Utah is a we want to be China first type of a state. We want to out California, California. <laughs> well, the question I have is why? What What is it about Utah? You know, I don't know if he still sits on this thing. I don't know really how it works. But remember when Spencer Cox hadn't even finished counting the votes when he was appointed to sit on Joe Biden's you know, governor's council, which I found odd because here's Joe Biden, a Democrat, lifelong D.C. swamp monster, picking Cox, a freshman governor, Republican of no national renown, no reputation, why? Why are you picking this guy? What does he bring to the table? And I, I've always found that curious. So what is it about Utah? Utah's a strange, you know, we're a small state. We're not a swing state. But there's something going on here. There's something interesting and uh, probably nefarious going on here. Right. They're, like we keep holding like United Nations events and stuff. Yeah. Salt Lake City has hosted the UN. Uh, we've, of course, hosted the Olympics in 2002, and we're trying to do that again. Um, we, uh, we have a lot of, uh, recently, as we've mentioned, we've had some of our politicians go on to serve in, in national capacities. What's going like, on in Utah? But they're strategic ones, like what, how right. David Levitt ends up planning pandemics. Mike Levitt. Mike Levitt, sorry, David Levitt. We were going to talk about David Levitt, but Mike Levitt, the former governor, ends up planning, doing pandemic war gaming right. in uh, D.C. in the early 2000s. So this is 15 years before the pandemic hit, but when you're but they pandemic had a lot planning, of, they had a lot of you little, need to set it up far in advance. They had some test runs, right, with swine flu, bird flu. 2009, I think they tried to get the pandemic off the ground. Well, somebody has to actually conceptualize it. I remember a picture of Obama getting the, was it the swine flu vaccine? And they tried to make everybody take that one, but it was, I think that was all just kind of beta testing. They were just 
sort of dress rehearsal on the real thing, which came in 2020. Yeah, it's not like these people are omnipotent and can get everything to go through without a hitch. There's definitely got to be a lot of testing, focus grouping, uh, regrouping, changing plans to try to achieve their their goals. Well, Event, and, and event 201 proves that they had certain ideas in mind. Um, and one ways to get the population all riled up. And the real world scenario ended up playing out almost exactly like Event 201 predicted or planned. Well, similarly, right? Just, yeah, I mean... Just the, de- the details weren't able to be right, discussed but, in a 24-hour period. Or how long was the tabletop exercise? I don't know. Like a weekend or something? Weekend, yeah. It's still kind of strange to me that that was ever publicized. I think the act of publicizing it and putting it on YouTube was all part of the <laughs> the psyop. <clears throat> but yeah, then John Huntsman goes to China. Um, Gary Herbert, the former governor, doesn't seem to have a, a national career ahead of him, but he's been a mover and shaker. He sits on the board at a... Again, a three-term uh, governor. Yeah, sits on the board now at a university. He has something to do with Chamber of Commerce. He's still definitely moving and shaking. We talked about him being uh, saying he was available, Jones. Yeah. I'll, I'll do anything for a hamburger or yeah. whatever um, from that old comic strip. Yeah, the whole the, there's a link between him and the Provo River Construction Company that did all the I-15 stuff that uh, is pretty muddy. It got swept under the rug. Nobody wanted to talk about it. The, the, the simple truth is that Utah is not what it seems. I would say the best uh, way to describe Utah would be out of Matthew chapter 23. We are the whited sepulcher state. Mm -hmm. Outwardly, beautifully painted white, inwardly full of dead men's rotting bones. Yeah, and we'd like to sweep stuff under the the rug because... That way there could be dead bones under the rug. To expose it exposes a lot about our culture and who all these people are. And there's a little bit here and there, you know, there'll be some scapegoats and some, you know, sacrificial lambs here and there, but... Rarely. When was the last one? It is rare. Who was the last sacrificial lamb? George P. Lee, the general authority that got ousted for something? Maybe, maybe. It's rare. You're right. It's really rare, especially from a... a, Or was it when Mitt Romney took over the... uh, Olympic Committee. Yeah, but name, name. I don't even he, remember. There wasn't names. even a Utah dude that was in charge of that, but there was all this corruption <clears throat> going on. Right. And he cleaned it up. That's the narrative, right? <laughs> Romney, the carpetbagger, cleaned up all the corruption. <laughs> That's, that was his, uh, one of his big claims uh, to fame on the way to the Senate. Well, he ran on way he, to the presidential that, nomination. Uh, yeah, he ran on uh, for the White House. Was on, he the on Was he the governor of Massachusetts before or after that? Before, I think he was in the nineties. He was the governor of Massachusetts. Governor of Massachusetts is obviously no small uh, feather in your cap, so to speak. I mean, it's interesting that he would want to be if if you can if you could actually win in Massachusetts. Why then are you serving as the governor of the Podunk state of Utah? There's another things that make you go, hmm. Well, he's not the governor, but he's a senator. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah. Why are you serving as the senator? But still, right? Sorry, I like to mix up the words well, just to make, make the conversation hard to follow. Because in the 90s, he, he, he ran as a Republican in Massachusetts, but he was extremely, he was what you would call a limousine, lib, uh, or a, or a limousine Republican, a um, Beltway Republican. He was, he was not and has never been what we would call a conservative, right? And it's interesting that he came out here and ran. Oh, he's a Harvard MBA, by the way. Right. Didn't he, know that. He came out here in, in Utah and ran for Senate in, was it a general election or was it a special election? It was, it was to replace Orrin Hatch, right, who had retired. The general election. And I don't remember even who he ran against. Ran but, against Mike Kennedy in the primary. And from insider uh, accounts, this is what he did. He made sure that the public saw no difference between him and Mike Kennedy. He would shadow watch him like they would, like a movie star trying to prepare for a role. He mm-hmm. essentially his his strategy in the primary election because see in Utah the Democrats you got to win it's like California everybody's a Democrat in California and in Utah everybody's a Republican that means the statists and the real people are all Republicans and in California you got to be a Democrat to try to get into office otherwise you can't yeah the real right so you have to sneak in for these statewide offices are the primaries. They occur in the primaries in, in Utah so what happened is there was a guy named Mike Kennedy who's a doctor and an a lawyer so he is both a doctor and a lawyer. He's a smart guy. I've met him personally. Good guy. Very pragmatic. He's, he's a state senator right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, practical, common sense. Um, you know, he's not as maybe um, enthusiastic about sounding the alarm as I would want him to be, but he's, he's a type, type of guy that wants to get stuff done in government that's, and, and protect uh, individual rights as far as I can tell. He's done uh, the best job he knows how based on the information he has from what I've seen. But anyway, he's running for Senate to take Warren Hatch's spot and um, Mitt Romney comes... It's possible Mitt Romney's the senator here just to uh, avoid Utah having two good senators to keep uh, Mike Kennedy out of the spot. But he came in and the way that he won was just simply to try to make the public see that there was no difference between him and Mike Kennedy when there was a world of difference. He tried that with when he ran against Obama. He tried, tried to, to out, out Obama, out Obama, 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 which was the, the the dumbest strategy you could think of. Yeah, he should have been a conservative. He would have won hands down. <clears throat> well, a lot of people think he did win, actually. But we don't know because you know the elections are run by these diebold voting machines or or all or whatever they're right. the electronics the the ballot stuffing we 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 haven't had a fair election in this country who knows since how long right well but, that, that's kind of what I'm getting at is what's going on here in the state like why why does what was Mitt Romney's motivation to come and be a senator in, in Utah? You know, these are all good questions. I, you know, if we had thought of this before we started talking, maybe we could have done a little more research. But uh, why, yeah, why Utah? Why, uh, why are they doing this? The David Levitt angle is really interesting. I'm going to post an article from the Last American Vagabond, which is a, another one of these independent journalist outfits. We've linked to them before. So Utah, Utah County Sheriff Mike Smith. Yeah, let's fill people in on the, the Levitt situation. Yeah, he, 
Mike Mike Smith, the Utah County Sheriff, the duly elected sheriff of Utah County. Hey, kudos to this guy, by the way. I don't know very much about him, but I think he has his own baggage. But in this regard, for this thing, yeah, like I said, yeah, he op- on him. They opened up an investigation into ritualistic child sexual abuse and child sex trafficking. They didn't just pull this out of thin air. This has been a this is an slow, ongoing problem, a slow burn, something that 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 kind of is an undercurrent in the state of Utah for a long time. And every now and again, it pokes its head above the if water. You, if you haven't heard of this, this is super alarming. Viewer discretion, listener discretion advised. Uh, I guess we're going to go there. Tell well, people about the pace memo. <clears throat> what do you know about the pace memo, Bobby? <clears throat> Let me back up just a bit. So, have you? Do you watch Stranger Things? No, but my kids do. They say it's pretty dark this season. It, there's some darkness. Well, there there always is. But yeah, this this I just finished the season. I was on a little vacation and I binged the first seven episodes of this latest season, which is all that there is right now. During vacation? Yeah. Really, over the course of one night, I stayed <laughs> up almost the whole night. <laughs> But it's one of those things you're like, well, they're they're brilliant writers. They leave it you they leave you hanging. You got to you, you say to yourself, I'm just going to start the next one. Right. Well, pretty soon you're at the end, and there's another cliffhanger. Stranger Things takes place in the 80s, the 1980s. And the 80s were when you and I were coming in of age, right? We were we were kids in the 80s. The 80s were a fun decade to be a kid in. Lots yeah. of lots of technology was. Uh, kind of cropping up, you know, personal computers and Nintendo and things like that. Plus, I don't know how your childhood was, but mine was basically, my summer break was basically get up at the crack of dawn. Watch cartoons? Maybe watch cartoons and then leave. I'd leave the house, get on my bike, find friends, and we wouldn't come back until it was dark. I mean, and I played Little League and stuff, so obviously there was some structure, some, some, some structure, and and uh, <clears throat> but for the most part, it was just like whatever, and, and uh, there was yeah, a lot of we'd, uh, we'd end up going to friends' houses and and stuff because their moms had better candy. My mom was yeah, the mom that the, gave out the raisins at, at Halloween, <laughs> and it's the, like, oh, geez, mom, you're gonna get us killed. Or the kid with the Nintendo. Everybody wanted to, to yeah. play Nintendo. Anyway, during the '80s, a couple things. Seven, you know, 70s and 80s, a couple things really um, got popular. Video games, one of them. The other was Dungeons and Dragons. And we've played Dungeons and Dragons on this podcast before. Briefly. And I, uh, I didn't grow up with, with D&D. I, I knew what it was, but I never really got into it. You know, over the last five, ten years, though, I have played it. Mostly just for fun. I've never been too serious about it, but I love it. It's a lot of fun. It's a good, it's good, it's good, wholesome, make-believe. But at the time, in the, in the 80s, a lot of people said, this is satanic. Mainstream articles were written about it. I bring this up because in Stranger Things, Stranger Things, they play D&D a lot. It's kind of a... All right, this is color context. We all, you, as you know, listeners, you're not here just for the surface <laughs> stuff. You want the, from the beginning of time, explanations. And D and D and Stranger Things is a nice through 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 line or thread that connects the seasons and the characters together. And really, in sort of in some cases, incites the next thing. Right. Anyway, but it, it was 
I remember, I remember as a kid, like hearing about stuff like Ouija boards and D and D and Jay's Journal, and and there was a there was a house in Orem, Utah, in Utah County, where people said it was where certain satanic was things this were up happening. on eight hundred North or sixteen hundred yeah. eight hundred right. Eighth and eighth, I believe. Was that where the Jay's Journal was written? I think that's the what rumor. Is, right? What is Jay's Journal? I don't remember specifically. It's a uh, you talk. I'll Google something about satanic. But anyway, and you had like um, there was a sat- Satanism scare at the time, right? According to Wikipedia, Jay's Journal is a book presented as an autobiographical account of a depressed teenage boy who becomes involved with a satanic group. After participating in several occult rituals, Jay believes he's being haunted by a demon named Blah. Blah is not the name. The book was edited and written by Beatrice Sparks and is partly based on the life of a 16-year-old individual from Pleasant Grove, Utah, who died by suicide in 1971. Okay. Critics allege Sparks misrepresented Bark's, Bar, Bar, uh, this Bartlett's life and experiences. But it, it made waves, right? So during this time, there's also... So the, the, the whole country is kind of in a, in a Satanism craze, and probably some of it was legit. This was published in 1978, by the way. Some of it was probably not uh, warranted, right? Like any scare craze. But well, what what, <clears throat> so, is, what is Satanism? Let's let's go there. Um, real well, quick, okay. We got, this is important, I think. Humor, humor me, Bobby. Okay. Humor me. Humor okay, me. You, okay, you've uh, got something going here. But uh, I want. We don't have to talk about this right now. But I think we want to talk about the meaning of the word Satan. We want to talk about his role here in this world. And um, uh, the difference between certain things that go on and then um, dark occult blood ritual, mm-hmm. which is generally because when, when, you, when you talk about Satan in pop culture, it's general or Satanism. Generally, what's associated with it is like blood sacrifice, uh, the Baphomet, the, 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 horned, right. the horned creature, the, the pentagram. There's a lot of pop culture stuff. Uh, the devil wearing the the red, um, or not wearing the red, but in red with go- right. cloven hooves, and Horns. he's on fire. He's got a he's got a trident. Right. So go ahead, finish your thought. Then maybe we get into that. I don't know. Well, so are we so, going to title this episode Satan? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Anyway, it was during this during this time frame, right? So understand the historical context that. There was a lot of um, uh, scare. Scare. A scare. It was a red scare, essentially. <laughs> and um, and I don't remember much about it except that my mom didn't want me playing Dungeons and Dragons. There was some. There was some stuff said. There was like, this is a time when parents were starting to get to become helicopter. They were. They weren't really helicopter parents, but they were starting to verge on that because there was. Were, were these pop culture stories about people who would uh, 
booby trap Halloween candy? Did, did your mom and dad yeah. have to look at every piece of Halloween candy? Yeah, there was always this, like someone would use a needle to inject poison or razor blades. Or they would put razor blades in it. And so, yeah, parents would check the candy. My parents would check the candy. That's what kind of We gave... still do check our kids' candy, but my wife researched this. It turns out it was one guy who poisoned his own kids. There's very, very few evidences of this. It kind of led to the individual, individually wrapped phenomenon yeah with uh, like there's candy um do you, do you know the candy it's kind of the the knockoff starburst called mamba yeah you've seen those you gotta unwrap those like three times <laughs> no, so I they come in a it. they come in a package that looks kind of candy bar shaped and you open up that and then there's two more packages in there oh and then you got yeah okay and yeah then, yeah, yeah. And, and then the, each and one's then, individually wrapped like a starburst up, yeah. yeah you open up the strawberry flavored and then you end of it it's like i gotta unwrap these three it's times it's like one of those uh omg dolls have you ever seen those do you have any kids in the family that have, yes i remember those like there it's a big this is great for girls because all it is is a present unwrapping experience where (laughs) you give them a doll but they've got to go through multiple layers of cute packaging to get to the doll and so it's like oh it's so awesome well okay during this during this craze part of it was this uh, what was called what's known as sra right satanic ritual abuse or sexual ritual abuse ritualistic abuse and there was a lot of accounts of it happening here in the state of Utah. Well, I don't know if there were a lot of accounts. There, it, well, it's, there was this fringe, fringe thing coming up, right? Right, and, and, but it gained a lot of momentum, and a lot of it, a lot of it was uh, allegedly based on this recovered memory idea, right? And there's a lot of controversy around that. I don't know, I think we need to get into that. But it got important. Oh, I think you should. Well, I don't know a ton about it, but the idea is you go see a therapist and suddenly you remember things that that you didn't know you remember. If you don't if you don't remember, if you're if you were in Utah in the 80s as a kid or, you know, growing up or whatever or an adult or uh if you remember this period and and it did spread outside of Utah, what you'll remember is that there were some mainstream television exposés on this about men who had been accused of sexual abuse, not ritualistic abuse, just molestation. And uh, it turned out that there was a therapist involved that was coaching the kids to say this stuff, right? So there's this idea that people under hypnosis recovered memories and then it's a, of dubious authenticity because, well, was it the coaching that caused the memory? Is it imagination or was it a real memory? That's the, that's the right. thing with, quote, recovered memories. But there's also a subset of this, and I, I wouldn't call it a subset, but a related type of memory recovery, which is that an individual remembers something years later. It, it comes to their memory and they it was triggered by something, but they were not in a therapist's office. They just were triggered. So that's a different type of memory. And and the Wikipedia article will say these wants to lump them all together as recovered memories. And and the the Wikipedia article, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article right now, and it's very, if you know what kind of words and language to look for, it's definitely slanted. Which Wikipedia article are you looking at? For the Pace memo. Okay. So in 1990, Glenn L. Pace, who was at the time a 
member of the presiding bishopric of the LDS Church, right? How's he related to George Pace, the guy that got chewed out by... Um, what's his name? Um, why can't I remember his name now? I want to say Marion G. Romney. Um, McConkie. Uh, I don't know. Are they related? I think they are. I think they're related. They were both fairly high up in the in the church, but George Pace was down at BYU teaching about ideas like a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and uh, uh, Bruce R. McConkie chewed him out, and then later on in life, McConkie switches, writes the song, I Believe in Christ, and, right. and calls uh, lectures on faith, eternal scripture. It's kind of weird, because... Pace got destroyed for that, the other Pace. I don't know that story, but I know that Glenn Pace came, to my, came to my mission and spoke. I met him. Oh, really? In the mid-90s, so after all this. And I didn't know about this at the time. Uh, I maybe first heard about this 10 or so years ago, but here we're finally getting to the meat, right? Glenn Pace did an extensive investigation into SRA trying to find out, is it happening? Is it real? What's going on? And the angle on this that's interesting to, to people who live in Utah is that he's a, he did this as a uh, member of the church's presiding bishopric at the request of the church's Strengthening Church Members Committee right. because of crazy memories that were coming back to people who were members of the church, and a lot of them were happening while they were in the temple. Well, and, and members were going to their bishops to talk about this stuff. So it was, it was sort of like uh, the elephant in the room. It had to be addressed. So they asked him to investigate this stuff. Right, and, and, and Wikipedia says this. Pace stated that he had met with 60 victims who had, quote, recovered memories of ritualistic abuse during their childhood. So in this case... He also says... Wikipedia calls them recovered memories, but in, from what I've heard and I've talked, I've, I've, I've investigated, haven't spoken with personally, but I've been in situations where I've heard individuals speak. The memories are not recovered in the way that Wikipedia wants you to think. In a lot right. of cases, they come back because they're triggered later in life. I don't know. Uh, like, like here's, here's an interesting way to think of a, of a triggered memory. When I was serving as a missionary in France, in Lyon, France, the the missionary's apartment was near the train station, and every day we would walk by uh, a grate that was somehow connected to the sewer. It was a ventilation grate to get to the metro, to get to the uh, subway, so to speak, right? And so now, for, for many years after my mission... Um, and, and it's not like, because Utah is a pretty clean place, right? They're, it's funny because the difference between France and Switzerland is pretty amazing. France is, uh, or Switzerland is neatly manicured. I think we've disclosed what we both went on missions, right? In this podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, I was in Europe, right? And uh, France and Switzerland are closely linked. And if you've ever been to Switzerland, the place looks just like the postcards, right? There's no rust on the cars. Everything looks beautiful. The, the cows are feeding on the Alps, and it's great. There's no, there's no crime, and all of the uh, beggars on the streets are actually street performers that are uh, actually incredibly talented uh, conservatory <laughs> students, generally, that are out 
earning money on the streets by playing incredible music. Well, when you get into France, it's dirty, smells bad. <laughs> There's beggars everywhere. It's, it's just not cool like Switzerland. Well, anyway, um, Utah is a fairly clean state. And so when I came, I, I, I was in France towards the end of my mission. And when I came back to Utah, it was like, oh, okay, this is nice. You know, nothing weird happening. But it wasn't until after being at BYU for a while and then, you know, getting married and moving up to uh, somewhere in, in the, along the Wasatch Front that we lived at a place where every once in a while we would drive by a sewer grate that had this smell, you know, and so I, it, this, it would trigger this incredibly intense memory of being right there in Lyon, France at the Parash train station walking through this tunnel. I can't remember very much of it, but I can distinctly remember standing in that spot where we would always smell the same smell. And so it came back years later. It came back, you know, five or six years later, really strongly. And I hadn't given that a second thought. But that's what's weird is that that's one of the most vivid memories of my mission is, the, is that little concrete section going into a tunnel next to the sewer grate because of the smell. That's what I'm trying to tell you is it's yeah. not necessarily a, a, a psychologist or psychiatrist-induced right. memory. They say that... The, the, the claim is that smell can trigger the most potent memories. Well, sound can too. In songs, sound, yeah. Well, speaking of stranger things, songs are things, used as mnemonic devices, memory devices. Stranger things. Rhymes are. Music plays a key part. No spoilers. Okay. In I guess I gotta recent. go. I guess I gotta go it's watch fun. this because it's my fun. kids, my kids like it too. And, they uh, did a. Stranger Things has done a great job of capturing the '80s without being so over the top, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it's good, dark fun. Like, I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. I'm not a real horror movie guy, but this is more, this is kind of different. Anyway, I, I think it's fun. Okay, well, if I don't like it, I will <laughs> complain on the Mind Virus That's podcast. That's fine. But yeah, uh, our memories are, the, there's a smell that I can still remember from my, one of my first areas. Actually, my first area on my mission, there was a pulp mill. And that thing stunk up the whole valley. Yeah. And it's a very pungent smell. And so every time I get a whiff of something like that, I, I'm back You're in, right back there in to the that mountains spot. of Canada. Yeah. You know. But the point being here is that certain things can trigger your memories that maybe you didn't know you even... Right, and the, you and the assertion... Suppressed or blocked out or forgotten somehow. Right, and the assertion by the psychologists that are, um, what would you call, call them? They are uh, on the side of the victims. The ones that are, uh, man, I'm not, I can't think of the word. The ones that are open-minded to their, their stories, the assertion by these people and the victims is that they have been intentionally... Uh, disassociated that the that the people who perpetrate this have a very um effective way to take a young kid and tear their personality in two and disassociate them so that they will behave normally and until they're faced with trauma and right. then the other side will kick in and this is a, this is something <laughs> that has been studied by 
our government. It's a real thing. That the whole MK Ultra <laughs> thing relates directly to this. Stranger Things. <laughs> okay. But so in the Pace memo, he says a couple of things that are quite, uh, that stand out. One, he says he, he, can, he conducted interviews with 60 people. And he says something like, I could have interviewed many more, but I limited myself to one interview a week. So he was working on this for over a year. And uh, he also says, let me see if I can find that quote again. He says, this is a quote, when 60 witnesses testify to the same type of torture and murder, it becomes impossible for me personally not to believe them. Well, this was all sort of, it was dismissed as, uh, as outlandish and, uh, and silly and, uh, uh, you know, not credible. Not credible. Not credible. And not worth investigating further. And it was all sort of went away. But every now and again, it, like I said, it, it pops it, it back pops up. It pops its head, uh, 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 you know, it, it resurfaces. And it resurfaced recently in when, Utah County. When Mike Smith, that's the sheriff, Utah right? County Sheriff, duly elected Mike Smith, puts out a press release, kind of out of out of nowhere, and says, "Hey, if you're involved, if you were involved with any of this type of stuff between 1980 and 2010, please call us." Yeah, that's he basically he didn't name names. He just said, no. "We're investigating this." Please, if you've been involved. Call us. And here, Bobby's now going to tell you why this is related to the election. Because there's a fellow... Right. See, we're getting around ...running for office, running, running for re-election, who... Go ahead. So, the sheriff's... The sheriff's department puts that memo out, or a press release. Call us if you know anything about this. Immediately following that... Within like hours, right? Utah County Attorney. Was it within hours or was it? I think it was the same day. We could look up the timeline. Utah County Attorney sitting, you know, serving current Utah County Attorney David Levitt says, I am not involved with this. I am not a cannibal or a sexual predator. He freaked out. Like he he got, he he, he said, he said uh, that it was 151 pages of utter baloney. And he said it was that the people who made the allegations were tragically mentally ill. He says... This is the same guy that, by the way, when he was elected or appointed, however, he, he is elected, actually, because he's running again right now. Got rid of the special victims unit in Utah County. What was the special victims unit? That's your favorite if TV show. If you've never show. watched Law & Order Special Victims, this is SVU. about sexual it, abuse. It, it's basically a team that's dedicated to investigating and prosecuting those types of cases, right? Sexual abuse, a lot of times to deal with you know, rape and stuff against children, that kind of thing. Now, I don't, I don't know all the details why he did it, Maybe there's a logical explanation, but just kind of keep that in mind. But he, he freaked out, and he had this, this press conference, said it's all about politics and the election coming up, and it was just to sabotage his election. And I'm thinking, bro, 
I didn't even know who you were. Right. <laughs> I'd never heard your name. I don't yeah. pay attention to who the county attorney is. Maybe I should. Maybe you should. <laughs> and this guy freaks out, and it raised a lot of right. eyebrows. Sheriff's, Sheriff uh, Smith's response was, we are investigating the sexual abuse of children. The only one making statements about QAnon is Levitt. We find it interesting that he's trying to divert attention away from the legitimacy of an investigation into the sexual abuse of children. He basically says, so there's been this spat in the media, which hasn't made much news on the local communist uh, pravdas like um, KSL. But it's, I mean, it shows up on national um, investigative, like these are, these guys, people like the Gateway Pundit and Last American Vagabond have limited resources, Okay. They have very limited time and attention span because it's just a couple of guys trying to shed light on serious right. stuff. And so they get their attention diverted to Utah. <laughs> he called uh, He called for the sheriff to resign. Uh, he, he, yelled at a, he yelled at a, yeah, Levitt did. He, call, he yelled at a local Fox 13 investigative reporter said, shame on you, shame on your news channel, shame, shame, shame. It's like, bro, nobody, nobody mentioned your name. Like, why are you freaking out? And why is it that people somehow think that, that if they just say it's so depraved that there's no rational possibility that that could ever be done. Why, why is it that that's something that works for a certain part of the populace? Like, oh, no, that's just too outlandish. That would never right. happen. A, a sitting president of the United States would never have been involved in the assassination of another sitting president of the United States. Right. A current pre- or, or a vice president, right? Right. Uh, it's, it's above... I, I heard this from a family member. Uh, there's too much honor in the office of president that William Jefferson Clinton would fire off cruise missiles at Syria just to divert attention from the Monica Lewinsky scandal. But there's not too much honor to have a Monica Lewinsky scandal? <laughs> right. Like, you you see the, the thresh- problem here. What's the threshold what, what, of honor? <laughs> and he would never kill people, just have sex. Just, yeah. In the so, Oval Office. Yeah, and, and that's basically been the, the primary defense of, of this whole thing, even going back to the 80s, is that, oh, that's crazy talk. Maybe some of it is. Unfortunately, a lot of the victims... Well, we don't know. Or, ...or alleged victims are dismissed because they're psychologically ruined. And so they just say, look at that guy's insane. I can't... Wait, nothing he says... He's is, got multiple personality disorder. Stranger things, again. There's all of a sudden a lot of parallels. <clears throat> well... But yeah, and so in, in, in Levitt even does that. He's like, these guys are, are psychologically insane. They're, they're crazy people. They're making outlandish claims. And it's like, okay, maybe, but don't you think we should investigate this? What's wrong with an, investigate, with an investigation? What's wrong with getting the raw election data from the counties, Deidre Hendrickson? What's wrong with that? Right. This is the the lady doth protest too much. Methinks. Yeah. He. The, the, really. This is the Hamlet thing again. We have, and it, it is Hamlet. It, 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 and this is where we can talk about Satan. I guess the Hamlet story is the Christ story. You have a usurper in yeah, Lion King. The, yeah, it's the Lion King story. You have a, a usurper in the judgment seat, sitting on the throne, ruling your world. 
and uh, he has killed the father and married the mother. You know, the, the brother of the father, the, the Hamlet's uncle, <laughs> killed Hamlet's father and married his mother and pretends that everything is just fine <laughs> here in the, you know, in this Danish fiefdom or whatever it is. And uh, Hamlet figures it out. Because who? Because how? His father comes to him in spirit. Right. It's like a supernatural story. Simba. Yeah. Simba. And he works it all out, and he has to depose, depose the usurper. That's the story of this world. You have an illegitimate... Well... <laughs> The other story, the other, yeah, the story of this world is also that there's terrible things happening and that they're, they happen, they're carried out by regular people, but they're also carried out by extremely powerful and influential people. And then they cover it up and they work together to cover it up because they're all in it together. We're all in this together. Remember that? The, the, yeah. the sheriff said that, the, 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 the sheriff said that this case involves high-profile, influential people in the state of Utah. And that's alarming because who are those people? So it'll be interesting to see if this investigation goes anywhere. I don't think it will because, again, there's powerful forces at play. Well, now, if the Hamlet story holds true, well, those high-level, influential people, they, are they or aren't they? The, will they? Would they try to cover it up? Did Scar try to get rid of Simba? Did he try to cover it up? Did he try to maintain power? Or did he just let Simba come back in and, and go, oh, yeah, you're right. Go ahead, run your investigation. Right. Uh, when I saw this story broke, break, I thought of a verse in uh, The Doctrine and Covenants. I'm looking that up right now. Very first section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Verse 3. And the rebellious shall be pierced with much sorrow, for their iniquities shall be spoken upon the housetops, and their secret acts shall be revealed. When? How? I don't when, know. How? Why, why are they spoken from the housetops? Is it because they're never going to be spoken of on KSL? <laughs> a lot of people think, a lot of people think that somehow the, the housetops things means everybody will be, it will be broadcast to the world through the standard propaganda mechanisms. But I don't think so. I think that it's because neighbor has to tell neighbor from the housetops and it never gets proclaimed by the ruling class. Yeah. That's my interpretation of that. <clears throat> In verse two, there is none to escape and there's no eye that shall not see, neither ear that shall not hear, neither heart that shall not be penetrated. And the rebellious shall be pierced with much sorrow for their iniquity shall be spoken upon the housetops and their secret acts shall be revealed. And the voice of warning shall be unto all people by the mouths of my disciples, whom I have chosen in these last days. And they shall go forth, and none shall stay them, for I, the Lord, have commanded them. <clears throat> so, this stuff happens. My, my, uh, <laughs> we were talking about this in our households. <laughs> and my mom said, do you think this stuff really happens? I said, well, absolutely. We see, you see it in the press once in a while, right? You'll, see, you'll hear about some arrest or somebody gets caught with, with images on their computers or you know, producing certain types of stuff. I don't even want to say the words. 
so yeah, it happens. But then there's there's stuff where you you peel another layer back, and you have like the the where was it the Franklin controversy in the again in the eighties I think or nineties in Nebraska. Do you know about that one? Maybe I watched a whole film on it a couple of years ago, <clears throat> and the the point is. This stuff does happen, and it is ritualistic. It is planned. There's, there, there are networks. There are trafficking networks, and uh, who's doing it? How does it happen? And who yeah, are I think the I've customers? Heard of the Franklin. Who are the customers? Yeah. Right? Who are the people involved with this? We just had all this Jeffrey Epstein stuff. That isn't just smoke, right? This stuff is real, and. We don't want to know that it's real because it's horrendous. We don't want to know. And then the people who are perpetrating it don't want us to know. And so you have a protection ring and then you have a blind or deaf public that doesn't want to know. So it's a perfect scenario. A lot of kids go missing in the United States every year, a lot. And they're not all victims of trafficking but probably a lot of them are. <clears throat> well, we don't, we don't know. If the claims are accurate, then it would make sense that they would get covered up. Uh, this Franklin Child Prostitution Ring allegation article I'm going to post. Of course, remember, we're posting Wikipedia articles out of convenience <clears throat> as, a, as a starting point. You've got to realize that they're going to be edited to protect the guilty. And... I think that the uh, the allegations here that they list, they say that uh, they alleged that the ring was a, quote, cult of devil worshipers involved in the mutilation, sacrifice, and cannibalism of numerous children. And then it says numerous conspiracy theories evolved, claiming that the alleged abuse was part of a widespread series of crimes, including devil worship, cannibalism, drug trafficking, and CIA arms dealing. See, it just went, it went from local to national right there with the CIA arms dealing. Well, what, what was, the, this is 1988. What was going on in 1988? Iran-Contra was just right. starting to emerge. Uh, this is, again, it gets back to the uh, hidden picture episode that we did where we tried to detail, an, well, to, 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 col to color in the details on an overview of what we, how we see the secret combination and conspiracy, the, the ruling class. In, in America, largely based on Catherine Austin Fitz's work, DylanReedAndCo.com, the aristocracy of stock profits, where she talks about how how these people operate at a high level. But the the point is that the darker side of this is that there is devil worship, cannibalism, drug trafficking, and arms dealing. The, the arms dealing tacked onto that. It's like right. Okay, there's your there's your. Uh, I would add. Did you did, what did you say? Drug dealing. I think I would add drug dealing on top of that as well. What's well, drug trafficking? Okay, you said that. Yeah, yeah. So very, very, very ominous when you have. <laughs> What's well, all happening right under our nose? But look, look, look at the FBI. Right, like if you have the FBI in the '80s comes in and um, investigates that. This is, the, is this the same FBI or is it a different FBI? Was, were they compromised then or are they compromised now? The, the, this is the James Comey FBI, right? It's, it's the one he probably worked in when he was a younger man. Mm -hmm. did, did the FBI 
promulgate, propagate, um, participate in essentially a coup in 2015, 16, 17, 18 to disparage and get rid of a sitting president of the United States. Is that or is that not on the table? I mean, the Durham investigation, I know Sussman was let off by a liberal jury in Washington, D.C., but I think we have ample evidence now that anyone saying that, that Trump was tied to Russia is a, a stark raving mad lunatic like Rachel Maddow. I mean, if you can't, you, you, you've got to believe your listeners or your, your uh, audience is completely brain dead to continue to propagate that kind of stuff now that the revelations have come out in the Biden White House um, Attorney General's office. It really doesn't matter, though. Because people are are so ingrained in my team versus your team that it doesn't matter. The facts don't matter, right? But if but for, but to our listeners, it does, right? Like right, this is course. a lawless this is a lawless uh, police yeah, organization. There's, there's a, a lot lawless, of people that, a lawless law enforcement. There's organization. a lot of people, in, probably including Obama and Hillary Clinton, that probably should be in jail over what they did. So the way the way this works, the way this whole um, SRA among, among other things, right? The, exactly. But the way that the way this uh, SRA thing works is you'll have somebody that comes up with some local evidence, right? Some mom, some poor person that remembers this, and then they start to find other people. And they, what they do is they find a ring of abuse, and this is what the the local uh, Utah County Sheriff is doing. He's like, oh yeah, I'm. I'm privy to this abuse. I, I may have my own problems, but I'm not that guy. I'm not that neck deep in this right. that I'm not going to investigate child ritual sexual abuse. And, and he puts it out in a press conference like to the public as if, wouldn't everybody want to know about this? Well, it turns out, no, KSL doesn't want to know about this. And nobody's going to talk about it except the gateway pundit and the last American vagabond. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I'm going to have to defend myself against the accusations of the... Uh, the attorney general's office who will sick somebody like the, the liberal reporter that the lieutenant governor sicked on those two ladies for just investigating the election. Right. I, and, wh- and while we're here talking about the election, she said she didn't want to raise alarm. Shouldn't that just be transparent anyway? Shouldn't it just all be transparent? Yeah. Yeah. The lieutenant governor's statement was eye opening. Um, maybe we could pull that up, but it was like, I think it's linked in that gateway pundit article. She has a line in there where she basically says, you're, you're all just too stupid to understand any of this. Yeah, if we put this out, then it's going to create a problem. Because we can't have people looking at it who don't know what they're looking at. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. Like, is their election results. These are election results. We should all, that should be transparent. It's it should not, be painted on the mountainside or it's, something. It's not, you know, calculus. It's just, it's ridiculous, but that's, Maybe for, it is for some reason that flies with the, the intelligentsia in the journalistic community, the corporate legacy old media guys. For some reason, they think they're better than you. Anyway. Oh, yeah, they if, are. They're definitely better than the, me. The way that this generally works is somebody uncovers a local conspiracy. I know you're laughing. <laughs> somebody <laughs> covers, uncovers this local conspiracy. They find a problem locally and they get a few people involved. They find a few good cops and they, they get uh, the higher-ups, meaning they're somebody in their higher-up bureaucracy that may or may not be compromised, they get them to call in the FBI because the local guys can't be trusted totally, so let's call in an uninterested party. 
Mm-hmm. That's like, okay, so we found out Lucifer is here. Call his uncle to investigate. <laughs> call his grandpa. Yeah. Call, <clears throat> call, uh, call, call his favorite investigator to come investigate this. Well, there's a reason that they're called conspiracies or secret combinations. I mean, they, in, in, in the Pace memo, Bishop Pace went there. He, he, he cited verses from Scripture about secret combinations. He talks about Satan taking over uh, and, and causing chaos uh, in the world. And it, it was an interesting—it's uh, uh, out there. Maybe we can link to it. It's not very long. You can go find it. Well, you, yeah, I think you guys can go do your own research on this. We'll put a few, uh, few links up, starting points. But the, the point is, it's very cloudy. It's, it's very much unproven. But if what these people are saying is true, this is an undercurrent that is far more widespread than anyone wants to believe because they can control or, or suppress an investigation for multiple investigations based on, I don't know, technicalities or, or lost evidence or whatever. They can suppress it for years and years and years and years, but it keeps popping up. Right. It keeps popping up and it keeps, it keeps coming back to 20 years ago. And the pattern is that the kid gets abused when they're a child. They go into multiple personality disorder and then it doesn't come out for 10 or 15 years because they're kids. Because mm-hmm. kids are easy to to control because they're kids. In 1991, this is at Wikipedia. In 1991, the Utah State Legislature appropriated $250,000 for the Attorney General's Office to investigate the RSA allegations in the state of Utah. SRA. This says RSA, but maybe oh, really? it's a typo. Ritualistic okay, satanic okay, abuse. Okay. There you it's go. the same idea, the same, same words. Same thing, sorry. Over Continue, a, Bobby. Over a two and a half year span, the investigators interviewed hundreds of alleged victims, but none of the incidents reported were corroborated with any evidence beyond their testimony. And the 1995 report stated that there was no evidence from any of the alleged victims that would warrant an investigation of homicide. Mike King, the co-author of the report, told news media that the specific accusations against church leaders were absurd, and Jerry Lazar, the head of psychiatry at LDS Hospital in Salt Lake City, said he, quote, has never been able to independently verify memories of satanic ritual abuse. So there you just have, you have the government investigating itself. But I find it interesting that the, none of the incidents reported were corroborated with any evidence beyond their testimony. Well, what, a lot of crimes are... Well, when they're 20 years... A lot of people are convicted of crimes on testimony. The, uh, part of the problem here is that the, the time that passes destroys the evidence, I get it. right? I, like, I yeah, understand. 10, 10, 20 years does a lot for and, getting rid of evidence. And I'm not saying everything that comes out or is alleged is has happened right oh no i don't i, I agree with that I, we don't know the thing is we don't know that's why we should have a good thorough investigation like what kind of evidence would there be for this other than testimony well, see they would say that they've had these good thorough investigations that was the one 1991 the 250 grand they put down to investigate the rsa allegations for two and a half years they're saying that was it how do you come up with 
hundreds of alleged victims for something that isn't exi- that doesn't exist. That's the I think that's a really good question. Is the I mean, MK Ultra episode a real thing in government? People have written books about this. Yeah, I, of course I, it's real. I, it's still it, happening. Is the government involved in uh, psychic activities? Are they involved in mind control activities? <laughs> is there a is everything a weapon like that army psyop video said? I yeah, mean, yeah, of course. I mean, is everything that, is a weapon. That's the crazy thing about that army psyop video is like it, it was an admission, not really a pro, not really a promotional video. It was like an admission of what we've been doing. And I think a lot of people see that as good as long as it's not perpetrated against them. Well, it is being perpetrated against them. It's being it's being perpetrated against all of us. It's just that we happen to approve of a lot of it. As long as you're telling me to stand with Ukraine, Ukraine or whatever, or wave my flag or wear my mask, things that I agree with, then I'm then it's okay. You can you can propagandize me, you can brainwash me, you can uh, control my mind. I mean, sometimes they slip right, and they say things like, "I think it was Chris Cuomo said it's it's illegal to read the Wikipedia the WikiLeaks emails." <laughs> <laughs> That's and and I think it was Andrea Kramer. Or one of them, one of those was like, it's our job to tell you what to think. Like sometimes they, <laughs> they go off script and tell the truth. Right. It wasn't Andrea Kramer. It was the one that's married to Joe Scarborough. She has like a, a Russian sounding name. Anyway, he does the show with her and then they got married. I have no idea. Uh, it doesn't Vladimirinskyevich. No, nah, it's <laughs> Mia or something like that. I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really. Oh, matters. he's married to a woman. <laughs> okay. Apparently, I don't Apparently. know what a woman is, but right. Well, so th- how, what does this have to do with Juneteenth? I, I don't know. I, what I think. The point that I want to make is I think that we're being massively distracted. Like the Juneteenth thing, it's awesome that we did away with slavery in this country. I think it was coming anyway. We didn't have to fight a war and enslave half of the country against their will in order to get rid of slavery. As we've talked about, the, the war between the states, the civil war as we call it, wasn't a slavery issue. People will argue that it was, but... It was about the, control. It was about making sure that a significant portion of the states didn't secede from the union. Right. It was about control of this continent. Right. And, and you could I, I think there's legitimate arguments for keeping everything together, right? Versus But you can't secession. keep people against their will. But right, right. Which is exactly what happened during the war between the states. The, the Juneteenth thing is interesting because supposedly this marks the day that the federal government caused the slaves in Texas to be free because they, that was the last place where there was slavery, right? Because Texas was its own, Texas, uh, its own republic. Texas was being evil or something. No, Texas actually, uh, if, you, if you look at the history of Texas, they gained their independence from um, Mexico. Mexico and then willfully joined the United States. Right. But they're a republic, the Republic of Texas. That's right. They, I think they have it written into their 
state constitution that they have the right to secede yeah. because it's of always the whole, kind of the joke because of the civil war but maybe that's why a lot of people are moving there but but anyway the point is they bring up things like the emancipation proclamation and and the emancipation proclamation was a, a ploy by lincoln to try to create uprising in the south it didn't free the slaves in the north it freed the slaves in the south it's very hypocritical there, the, the, there's so much Cognitive dissonance in in this type of well, we just discussion. We don't want to learn anything. We just want to turn it into a catchphrase, well, like, like well, Juneteenth, and yeah. then we we raise our fists. Or but whatever. look at what it distracts from. It's 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 in the middle of June. This is a distraction from the summer solstice. This is okay. we we have we have and we've talked about this before. We have a lot of marketing holidays that have been built up around the solar events. You have Christmas on the winter solstice, okay? And that's become a very commercial holiday. I'm not saying it's bad to have Christmas on the winter solstice. It's actually good, but it's a very commercial, commercialized time of year. You have Halloween around the time of Samhain. You have uh, Beltane at uh, May Day. Um, I guess we don't really have anything. What do we have? Cinco de Mayo that they try to commercialize. Groundhog's Day on uh, in Bullock. You've got um, March. You've got St. Pat, Patrick's Day, right? Yep. Um, anyway, there's a lot of... Easter. There's a lot of distraction. Yeah, Easter. Easter was supposed to be originally on the uh, solstice, but that... Or sorry, on the equinox. But that, of course, was taken care of by the orthodoxies where they involved the lunar calendar and argued over that. I think the Easter issue was one of the big reasons why the Eastern Orthodox split from the Roman Orthodox. But look at, look at what this does. It does distract us from the cyclical times and seasons that were celebrated in the ancient culture. And if, if, we're, if we as um, Mormons care about the religion of Adam, which supposedly Joseph Smith cared about, we might care about the ancient religions, you know, the ancient observances, which were commemorating that this gets, this comes back to Hamlet. This is commemorating the overthrow of the overthrow. This right. is, this is a commemoration of. Sorry, I distracted you. Yeah, you distracted me with a chart here. But the, the Hamlet story is the story of the cosmos. It's that there was a rebellion in the cosmos and there was a usurpation of the throne. Mm -hmm. This is why the Book of Mormon often talks about Jesus as the true Messiah. Right. Because Messiah, literally meaning anointed one in, in Hebrew, Mashiach, it's the same as the Greek Christos. This is why we call Jesus the Christ. He's the Christos, the anointed one. And why do we anoint someone? Because you've, we have always in our history anointed with oil the king or the priest or the queen or the priestess to show that they are made in the mold of the true king. Mm -hmm. But the problem is you have a usurper on the throne who says he's the true king, claims to be the, the only begotten. He claims to be the anointed one. So that's why the Book of Mormon prophets are so adamant that they worship the true Messiah and they want to convince the Jews and the Gentiles that Jesus is the true Messiah, the anointed one, the Christos. Jesus is the Christ. One thing I think, in, at least in Lion King, they, they simplify everything, right? And Scar, 
Scar's easy to hate. Everybody hates Scar. His name is Scar, right? And he's ugly. And the audience is it Jeremy Irons? He's a great actor. The audience, um, you know, we see him throw Simba or uh, what's Simba's father's name? Mustafa. Mustafa, yeah. We see him throw him into the ca- into the canyon with the stampede and all that. So we know he's bad, and of course, the kingdom under him is suffering. It's starving. There's of course it is. It's an entropy. But I think where they get it wrong is that, maybe not wrong, but they could have, what if under Scar, what if the kingdom had been thriving? What if there had been a lot of, a lot of food and a good plenty and good rain seasons? Mm-hmm. And then Simba shows up. Because right now, right now the usurper Paints a pretty good picture, right? Well, that's the thing. He's getting you to drink sand, and he's saying that it's water. That this this <clears throat> world being an entropy—that's the whole dichotomy between the garden state and the state we're right. in right now. The earth produces thorns and thistles spontaneously instead of the luscious fruits right. that Adam and Eve would have. But but we have been told that this is heaven, right? This is uh, no, it's Iowa. It's Iowa. <laughs> but, but that would have made a, a, a more compelling story and would have forced people, you know, the lions, to soul search and to figure out, wait, maybe Simba is the true king. Because that's what we have to do, right? And I'm not even talking about currently. Right now, economically, and things are ridiculously bad, right? That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, the, like you were, the whole state of mortality. Yeah. The, the alternative, the usurper... Paints a pretty good, puts a pretty good meal on the table. Well, the, he does for a while, but sure, look, right. that, that's cl- that's quickly coming to an end. And and um, I see I see what you're saying is that Zion prospereth, right? All is well in Zion, right? That's what you're saying. I mean, which has happened during the golden. It's happened cyclically throughout history, right? Anyway, that's I think that's the point we're in now is where the usurper isn't just scar with red skies and no meat right it's well no it's on its way there yeah it is getting there <laughs> it's getting there for sure anyway that's well i'm just saying well, you, you're right you're right no you make a real you're making a very very good point but what i'm trying to say is the lion does return the right. true king will return and it will be a destruction of the wicked <laughs> and the evil one and the the lion king or the the metaphors the the liter- the literary stories have to They've only got two hours. <laughs> They've only got your attention for a minute. So they paint the picture of the total history of the world, the, the total history of our reality in a very short period of time. When the lion returns, it will be as if the lion had returned. I mean, it will be uh, yeah, dramatic it, it, in it, that it, sense. It will be, for sure. Way more than the Lion King. Right. I distracted you with a chart of... Uh, yeah, Juneteenth. I looked at Google Trends, which is a useful tool. I put Juneteenth in there, and I, I put 2004 to present, and it's basically non-existent for since 2004 until 2020. Right. And then in 2020, there's a big spike in June. 2021, there's an even bigger spike in June, and now there's, you know, it's calculating data for the current spike. And then that spike goes up and then straight down because this isn't something that anybody cares about, knows anything about. 
Yeah. It's kind of funny. One of the related inquiries is Juneteenth meaning. <laughs> it's the same kind. There's It's literally zero for a decade. You know what? I, I'm really glad. Big spikes. I'm glad that we've gotten rid of slavery, except the fact that we're all freaking slaves to this oligarchy. Right, but for... Just in a different way. But for 100 years or more... 200 years, we've associated the end of slavery, right or wrongly, or factually or not, with the ending of the Civil War, right? That's always, we didn't need a day necessarily to commemorate that. That stuff kind of gets bundled in in the 4th of July, Independence Day. Well, sure. You had, but the point here being is, again, you, talk, you brought up distraction. This is a new thing. This is a new phenomenon, this right. idea of a new federal holiday, right? Just like... Just like we had the George Floyd stuff and the summer of riots, mm-hmm. the point being, you're all being messed with in your heads. Right. You're supposed to believe that this is important, that Juneteenth is important. And it might be important to some people. It might be important to people in Galveston because it happened there. But again, the, the Google data shows that it's not. It's like, you know it's, what? It's, it's like, it's like turning, I don't know find a uh, it's like turning strawberry days into a federal holiday yeah it's a local thing and you know what would would really chap any good wokest any social justice warrior what they hate is when you have a a song of the south type of a movie or something or any literature that that demonstrates uh a picture where you've got black slaves who own nothing but are singing and they're happy in the fields. They'll own nothing and they're happy. Do, do, is there any modern equivalency to this, Bobby Flood? They owned nothing, but they were happy. The, the difference is that we are in charge now. We are in more enlightened. We have ways of making you happy. Right. I mean, that's, that's, what's, that's what's happening to our society right now. They say you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. So right now they're in the process of taking everything away from you. But celebrate Juneteenth because we did away with slavery. Right. We're just instituting a different kind of slavery. Where they owned nothing, but they were happy. Well, not everybody. The ones that were being whipped weren't happy. The ones that were escaping weren't happy. Yeah. I'm not... Look... I'm not saying slavery was good. Don't anybody get me wrong. I'm not saying not. they were happy, but they're, but they're, uh, people can try to be happy at any point in time. I mean, you can, you can be in the fallen world. You can be Hamlet, right. and you could try to be happy. Right. We should be. We should be. There's a lot of, I mean, you've got uh, Victor Frankl's, right? Uh, what's the name of his famous book? Um, uh, Man's, Man's Search for Happiness? I think so. Where he was in the concentration camps, right? And he learned to, to thrive emotionally there. And there's a lot of, uh, there's the, the, what's the one with the Italian guy? Uh, um, Life uh, is Beautiful. Uh, well, there's that. That's not the one I was thinking of, but that, that's a great movie. Um, the Louis something or other story. Was that Unbroken? Anyway, same I idea, right? Same idea. Man's search for meaning is yeah, Victor Frankl. Man's search for happiness, I think, is an old LDS <laughs> publication <laughs> from the Demonstrate 70s or my something. illiteracy here. Frankl is a, a widely published um, survivor but, of the Holocaust. But just because somebody can be happy in a situation doesn't mean that that situation isn't being foisted and forced on him by evil tyrants who are trying to destroy <laughs> destroy you, Right. 
Well, again, that's the problem, and that's what the metaphor is trying to tell us, is that there is no true happiness here in the fallen world. And all of the ancient cults, all of the ancient uh, festivals were focused on this cyclical renewal of life where you have the new year, the, the birth of the king, uh, you have the overthrow, the usurpation at the, solst the, the summer solstice and the victory six months later at the um, winter solstice. And then in, in uh, March or in, in the, on the spring equinox, you have the renewal or the rebirth, which is the, old, the ancient new year. And everything is to distract us from uh, this natural cycle, which paints the picture of the actual reality of the cosmos in which we uh, exist that we're and this dark entropic world that we're trying to escape that's in entropy. So that's that's the Satan. That's the that that's what's crazy is you get this really dark um, satanic ritual abuse stuff going on, which I think is real, and I think that the people that engage in it do it because it gives them power and it gives them pleasure and all that stuff. The Book of Mormon alludes to that stuff. We talked about that, I think, didn't we? About the the end of the Book of Mormon and all the right. crazy stuff going on. The, the way that the wives and daughters were abused. Right, and, and, and then the sacrifices of people going on. And this has happened throughout history, and it and it generally is like, like uh, Ab Abraham, the Mormon... Uh, Mormon teachings, we, we generally talk about how there was probably, Hugh Nibley talks about this, there was uh, human sacrifice going on at the time of Abraham, and that is a devolution of the arrested sacrifice or the, the sacrifice of the great king where that was enacted in, in ritual format where the pharaoh or the king would symbolically or allegorically be sacrificed and then be reborn in the in uh the similitude of the only begotten son jesus christ who came and actually gave his life right and so at the time of abraham there was a a, a perversion of that where they actually were killing their children thinking that that was going to give them eternal life right. it, or, and uh, by virtue of them sacrificing their kids they followed the pattern of the father and also they W themselves would gain some sort of salvation out of that. So, so, but that would happen cyclically. The, the not every culture devolved into the same devolution, into the same entropy there of the of the of the original religion. They change and and they morph in dramatic ways, in different ways, and in, and it's always caused by the adversary so that we can be diverted, distracted from our reality, from who we really are and who the true Christ, the true Messiah, the true King of creation really is. Mm -hmm. That's the big problem. That's, that's been going on from the beginning. And Satan is happy to give you all kinds of social programs, you know, plenty of uh, welfare programs, whatever you want to talk Stimmies. about. He, He's stimmies. willing to give you stimmies. He's willing to give you Lions Club. He's willing to give you home teaching. He's willing to give you anything as long as you don't recognize the true God. As long as you're focused on the wrong thing, he, he'll, he'll, he'll look really nice and, and clean. Uh, he, he's the man in the gray flannel suit, as uh, Hugh Nibley said. And he, he's totally happy to be that. And he's also happy to be the bloody, destructive, ugly, you know, whatever that... Uh, gets associated with this stuff like the satanic ritual abuse. But 
over time, we've seen a, an inversion in the myths, in the mythology, the mythos, where certain attributes of the gods, the gods of light, have been associated with Satan. For example, he's depicted as a red dude in fire, right? On fire. The seraphim, who dwell at the highest levels of the heavens, and, and Joseph Smith explained this in the King Follett Discourse, they dwell in everlasting burnings, in fire. Seraphim literally means fiery one or fly, fiery flying serpent. And uh, Satan is often depicted as a snake, right? <laughs> uh, there are good and bad serpents in the ancient religions. Uh, the serpent is a, a symbol of ongoing life after life. You know, it sheds its skin and it gets on, it goes on to new worlds and new existences as it metaphorically does that. So Dante, who's a, uh, often cited as the guy that's responsible for Catholic the Catholic uh, cosmology, having articulated it in his Dante's, uh, in Dante's uh, Commedia. It's very interesting because in Inferno, which in Latin means furthest away and in Italian means furthest away, Inferno, Inferno, to us means a, a raging fire. <laughs> he finds Dante and Virgil go to the center of the earth, which is essentially the, the lowest down, the center of hell, the ninth ring of hell, and there they find Satan, larger than life, grizzled and hairy, dark. He's got three faces with three different colors, and he's chewing on Brutus, Cassius, and Judas, the three great traitors, and he's encrusted in ice. He's the furthest away from the fire. Right. So that, I'm, just, I'm just throwing that out as an example of how things get twisted here, and so now we, we depict the devil as red with a tail and on fire, and, and he's got a trident, which was the... Uh, a ruling scepter, you know, right. so. <laughs> well, we've talked what, a lot about. What is about, he really? What is he really? Who is Christ really? We've talked a lot about inversion, right? Not the Salt Lake weather phenomenon, but in how things get inverted. And we're living through what I've called the great inversion. Like everything, the most basic commonsensical things are being inverted right in front of our eyes. From, the, from everything from you know, gender uh, you have Gatorade advertisements showing people who are clearly not fit. Being t we're being told that they are fit. No, of really? course they're fit. Those people are fit. Don't you shame them? You, and then you have things, you know, more consequential, like, like the inversion of, uh, <laughs> you know, like our rights, and uh, you know, it's it's basically the opening lines of. Uh, 1984. Freedom is slavery. Strength is weakness. I can't remember. Ignorance, ignorance, ignorance is, is strength. strength. Yeah. War is peace. Yeah. We have these. We have this. It, it is. It's the great inversion where good is being called evil and evil is being called good. And I think it all root. The root is yeah. Who is the god of this world? And now it's the great day of his power. He so reigns from the rivers to the ends of the so earth, we're, and there we're is none who dares to molest or make afraid. There's a, uh, in, in this current latest season of Stranger Things, um, I wonder a, if I could binge watch. How many seasons are there? Could I binge watch it before the next episode? Yeah, there's, this is the fourth. That's there's a lot of, how many, probably, how many episodes? Probably 40-ish, 35 to 40, I don't remember. Total? Yeah. So it's like 40 hours worth of work? That's yeah. like a work week. Yeah. 
<laughs> Honey, I'm working on Stranger <laughs> Things this week. But there's a kid and there's a character in it. And I'll do this without spoiling it. Who, uh, he's at a town hall and the, the town's all in an uproar, right? And he says, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote, but he says, how are you going to defeat the devil if you don't even believe he's real? And, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to say for the county, mm. county attorney to stand up and say, this is outlandish. I'm not a cannibal. I'm not a cannibal. Well, no, nobody said, nobody <laughs> brought that up. You're weird. For sure you're weird. Because nobody brought that up. Not publicly. And just to dismiss everything as outlandish, it, it, it's really soothing to say, oh, that's crazy, man. This poor, yeah, this crazy. Man, those schizophrenic sure, people. Sure, take a, take a $200,000 salary and, and be the, guy, the main guy in charge of prosecutions and evidence and stuff like that right. in, in Utah County. There's but a guy it, named Gray running against him, by the way, just, uh, just so that you know there's another option there. Is a guy, there. I don't know him, but I've heard good things. I don't, you know, whatever. There are many shades of gray, Bobby Flood. <laughs> there sure are. This shade is called Jeff Gray. Okay. Again, I'm not endorsing him. I'm not telling you who to do vote for. Do your homework if do, you live in Utah research. County. There's actually some important... And if you live in Salt Lake County, I'm sorry. There's, also, there's some important local elections happening here in Utah State, the state of Utah, and in Utah County. The state of confusion? Um the state of inversion. Uh, a guy named Bill Lee is running for re-election and the county commission. Probably a good idea to vote somebody else. Really? That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> Again, these guys are are. How do you feel about crooked? They're publicly how crooked. A, how do you feel about voting in a rigged election? Well, that's the thing, right? That's the thing. Uh, one one a, guy that I I, I read, he said t- you should vote just to see if there's any fraud. What you need to do is. Go in, make sure you vote in person, and take your ballot with you so that if they say you've already voted, you can be like, hey. Right. And there's here's people, my ballot. People I didn't, have. I didn't vote. People have brought stuff like that up. Uh, yeah. As far as the individual candidates, if you're voting, you know, do, do at least some homework, right? I know it's impossible to really know because these guys can put whatever they want on their websites. They can smile. They can wear their gray flannel suits. God help us. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's ultimately what we, we keep coming back to that at the end of every episode, right? Is basically God help us. Help us. Help us know the truth. Yeah. Help us figure this out and to survive this tumultuous If tumultuous ever there was time. a people that needed a savior, it's us. So maybe that's where we'll leave off for today. But uh, yeah, do your homework and <laughs> pray. Pray and study and, and pray for discernment. Man, I don't think there's a more important spiritual gift than discernment. And, and you need to have the courage to believe the Lord when he tells you that there's a bunch of crap going on. <laughs> and your yeah. friends and family need that courage. You know, that Holy Ghost influence that's saying, hey, things aren't quite right. Maybe that's because it's really not quite right. Right. Well, and, and to those out there, like those two ladies that are taking on the state of Utah and their election fraud. Hey, good work. uh, Good job, good work, and and God bless you and protect you because there's... They're putting their necks out there. They're using their real names. Their faces are out there. And the bad guys are pulling out all the stops. Right. So um, stay safe, ladies. Stay stay effective. 
<laughs> Stay effective. <laughs> well, yeah, on that note, yeah, uh, interesting discussion today, Bobby. I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you'll comment and give us your thoughts and ideas on the website. And, you know, have a have a fun summer. Yeah, and if... Um, if um, uh, who won the T-shirt? What, what was the, her call name? Feeding the hungry, Feeding was, the hungry. was the tag tagline name. I heard that she enjoyed the T-shirt. She, I, I okay. hope that you liked it. If you if, if you did, give us a if you'd like thumbs to up send us a photo of you wearing it, and you can cut off your head in the photo if you want to remain anonymous. We will post that. Just do like a big strip over your eyes or something, or uh, put blur, on blur a, the face. Put a COVID mask on. Put a COVID mask on. That's it. That would be funny. That'd but, be so uh, funny. Also, uh, if you wear it around town, and if somebody, uh, you know, comments or whatever, let us know. It'd be interesting to know if anybody's if it piques anybody's I had curiosity, a, or if anybody out there recognizes the logo on it. Maybe they look at it and say, yeah. "Hey." I got a little feedback from one of our listeners who's commented before um, over the weekend. He was he said he really liked the episode uh, about the dumb questions, but then he thought we were just goofing off the following episode. He was giving me he was like, "Hey, come on, get with it, guys!" <laughs> well, and he's like, "I'm a loyal listener. Where's my T-shirt?" <laughs> that that last episode where we called it Air Pocket, I think it wasn't necessarily goofing off, but we were short on time. And it was, we, we, I thought it was a good episode. Yeah, I did too. And we also personally needed a little bit of, we needed an air pocket. We had a few comments. Uh, TBM said, Hey Jordan, I'll have you know that I am not listening to the podcast while watching TV. I don't have the attention span to listen to two things at once. And he, he went a little bit, uh, TMI on me and said, I listen in the car and in the shower. That was the TMI part. And yeah. while walking the dog. Yeah. Well, I, good. I was curious. I saw that and I wondered, does he, I remember, I have this vivid memory of my dad. Well, my, my dad would go get ready in the mornings or whatever for work and he would take a shower, right? And he would crank up the radio. So he so could hear it in that, the shower? Yeah. And I could hear it through the whole house and he would usually have like NPR or some morning news type thing on and some propaganda outlet. And, uh, probably. But, and I, and I, this was I, in the eighties though, back when it was good. Perhaps. <laughs> And and I and I don't know if they're still around as much anymore. But you could look through a catalog like Sharper Image or something oh, like that. Yeah, you that. could buy a a shower a radio. shower radio. And I think my mom got him one so he didn't have to blast it. Hey, maybe we could get one for TBM, like a, a shower MP3 or something to. Well, I think the listen the in smartphones the... now you can just take in the showers, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hey. I, Try it out, TBM. Let us know how that goes. <laughs> I don't know that you could still get it loud enough on just the smartphone speaker, though, to hear our great and sultry and voice actor quality voices over the over the water noise. That was the water noise. <laughs> Whitaker commented. He said that we didn't edit out the part about companionship inventory like we said we would. And yeah. he's glad we left it in. Yeah, we sometimes we, we... That's called breaking the fourth wall, Whitaker. And sometimes we say things like, oh, we'll fix it in post. And then we but don't. We don't because... Well, We're lazy. Because I, I'm lazy. I've done that. In the first, the first maybe 10 episodes, I was fixing stuff in post and realized this is taking me all day. 
I'm just going to... I'm done with it. it. I'm just going to send it. There's sometimes I will if I accidentally say, like, maybe... His home, home address, address. yeah, <laughs> which he often quotes <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, one, two, three, Fake Street. Ah, oh, dang, I'm gonna have to edit that out. Any town USA. Wh- Whitaker also uh, told us about uh, riding a bike to work, which is uh, kind of interesting. So, if you want to read about that, that's fun. And of course, I play the radio. Chimed in with a few quotable. Um. Mm-hmm. Snippets from the last episode. You're going to need that two bucks. Yep. Living on stimmies and doing what you're told. Those Which, are t- t-shirt ideas. The living on stimmies and doing what you're told didn't come from us, though. That came from that, that bomb thrower article, I believe. Yeah. But you're going to need that two bucks, I believe, was you. That was us, yeah. So uh, I play the radio. He's another one that deserves a t-shirt as a loyal listener. Someday, someday, folks, maybe before the, the actual uh, physical destruction and before things d- devolve into without rule of law scenarios, maybe we'll make you a t-shirt. If we have to make you one after the whole total economy and everything implodes, it might be uh, like a ragged t- Maybe we just with, with a, a Sharpie. Yeah, just Sharpie. Maybe we just do that right now and skip, you know... <laughs> <laughs> just write on it. Maybe just, or maybe we just paint on it. Yeah. Without a screen or anything. I used to tie dye my own shirts when I was in high school. Yeah. That was fun. Well, well, okay. on that note. <laughs> well, everybody be that, good. That's a story for another day. We appreciate you and uh, leave some comments. Yeah. Have a great week. Let us know what you're thinking, what you want to talk about, uh, who's on your mind. If you're happy and if you own nothing, please chime in. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. All right. See you guys.